All right, so today we're talking about what does it look like to trust God in the midst of chaos? Yeah. Uh, so we're sort of leaning into this key question of like, Jesus, where are you? Yeah. Right? We've gone through all kinds of upending of everyday life, right? Yeah. It feels chaotic, uh, right? Like my kids were in public school last week. <laughs> now they're homeschooled, yeah. right? I worked in a building last week. Now I work in my house. I used to be a pastor. Now I'm a pastor and a PE teacher, sure. right? Yeah. Like all these moving pieces, uh, Monterey County, right? We're in a shelter in place, uh, environment. So that's fairly chaotic. Yeah, totally. So as we come to the Bible, right, we come to the scriptures, we come to these ancient texts yeah. to seek and practice the way of God, the way of Jesus. I guess I'm just saying like, where do we start? Yeah. Where do we start when we're trying to figure out what does it look like to trust God yeah. in a chaotic environment? Totally. Yeah. Where, where do you start? Like, how do you, how do you pick the verse? Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, help us Yeah. on one, on one level, I feel like the scriptures are this theme of trusting in God is just throughout the whole library. Sure. It's ubiquitous. Yeah, yeah. It's all over. You know, I think for me, maybe it's just because how my brain works or whatever. I love to either to start with Jesus and or Genesis, like back okay. at the beginning. I want to, you know, through this time, do both of yeah. that. And so maybe just to start with, Genesis, uh, and a lot of times I think when we look at the book of Genesis, especially the first few chapters, most people probably aren't going to think, hey, that's a text I'm going to go to to really anchor my faith or a text yeah. that speaks to what it means to trust hmm. God. I think for a lot of reasons, good and bad, uh, Genesis 1 through 3 in particular and some of the other chapters, we get sidetracked with different questions yeah. that are important but maybe aren't like the yeah. main point of the text. Okay. And I think... So like, One, give me an example there. Like what's, yeah. what's like a current topic that sure. maybe like people are like, this is the point of Genesis. And you're like, well, that is maybe a point of Genesis, totally. but it's not the point of yeah, Genesis. Yeah. Well, I think like very specifically, oftentimes like age of the earth questions okay, yeah. kind of get bro uh, brought up to the surface with that, yeah. which again, I don't want to discount that yeah, yeah. or say that it's not important, but at least when I'm looking at the text, especially yeah. when it's cultural context, yeah. The age of the earth question isn't was not was what not, an ancient like Mesopotamian exactly. person is thinking. Hmm, you yeah. know, I wonder if the earth is this old or this old. They're that is having, not their question. You know, long debates about that yeah. sort of thing. Their question sure. is, who are we, and is there a god, and if there is, what is that god like? Okay. And comparing a lot of the yeah. ancient Near Eastern cultures yeah. and their creation texts, yeah, their origin have, stories, yeah, they have yeah. different depictions of what God is like. But okay. when we come to the Old Testament. And the early chapters of Genesis, we see a God who brings beauty and goodness okay. out of chaos. A so, God. so you read Genesis 1. Yeah. Right? I sometimes, and I think a lot of people see like, there's seven days. Totally. You yeah. see a God who's bringing order out of chaos. Yeah. Totally. Help us understand yeah, that. Totally. Right? Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, yeah. I think a, a good place to start uh, kind of is having the text in, in front yep. of us here. And if, you know, if you're listening to this, I'd encourage you, if you can, you know, you know, open a Bible, go to Genesis chapter yeah. one. And if you don't have a Bible, we will give you one. Totally. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and we'll the, leave it on your doorstep and we'll clean it before clean we give it, it yes. to you. Yes. Oh yeah. We have plenty, plenty of rounds for sure. Uh, the first sentence of the Bible, just begins with in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay. And I think maybe just as a quick side note, just to kind of get at this idea of we often bring our own cultural assumptions into okay. the text, right? When I say heaven and earth to you, yep. or when you hear that phrase, like what what image comes to your mind? Yeah, I think of like, I don't know, Renaissance paintings and little cherubs playing tiny guitars, yeah. uh, scantily clad, like in, yeah. the, in the clouds. Totally. And then I think of a farmer 
in the dirt. In the dirt, yeah. Totally. It's funny because when I ask people that question, oftentimes when I do this yeah. kind of like in a class or something, they say something very similar yeah. to that. Especially, that's interesting though, I, I appreciate what you said about earth because that's often not the answer huh. that I find. I think most of the time when I ask that question about the earth, what do you think of when I say earth? We think of like a round ball. A globe. Like floating in outer uh, space yeah. kind of a thing. Which we actually didn't even have an image yeah, of until exactly. like what? I don't even know, the 50s? 50s, yeah. yeah maybe 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. And I think that just as a reminder to pause and just remember, you know, we're dealing with not necessarily our questions, cultural questions all the yeah. time, but this text is speaking to us and does speak to yeah. us about who God is and what God is up to. And so God creates the heavens and the earth. Yep. And the second line begins, and the earth was, in most translations, something to the effect of formless and void. Yeah. These varieties of different translations there. Okay. But what's interesting, though, is that phrase formless and void in mm -hmm. the Hebrew is, and I might butcher the pronunciation here, but the, the basic idea is it's called tohu vavohu, mm -hmm. tohu vavohu. And there's a rhythmic sort of pattern to that. Even sure. if you say that tohu vavohu, it kind of rhymes a little mm. bit. So a lot of scholars will want to translate that phrase or do translate that phrase wild and waste mm. into English. because so it kind of gets at some of the, okay. the rhythmic you know, pattern yeah. there. Um, but what happens though, is that here is this wild and waste, okay. this sort of chaotic sort of state, if you will. Yeah. And it's from that God is going to then do the, the creation narrative in Genesis one, yeah. which is famously the seven day creation cycle. Got it. Uh, so what, what's, what we have here is yes, we believe I'm not denying at all that God didn't create all things. Yeah. I believe hundred totally. percent God created all things. Yeah. God is the creator. God of all, but I think the key contribution of Genesis one in particular is that what is being depicted of is here is a God who is bringing out of chaos and out of kind of the wild and yeah, waste yeah. beauty and order. So it's kind of like sometimes when we read Genesis, sometimes we skip over yeah. the wild and waste, the tohu bohu, the chaos. Totally, yeah. And that God is bringing order out of that, and we just get immediately to the order. Yeah. Because our maybe presumption of everyday life is there should be order. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and in seasons like this with COVID-19 yeah. and coronavirus, it's like, oh, some of that chaos feels like it's at the doorstep. Yeah. And what we get on the first line, the first few lines yeah. of the Bible is a God who brings order to the chaos yes. of our experience. Totally. Yeah. And it speaks to, this is how God intended life. Okay. Where... God is a God who wants to bring beauty and order. Yeah. And in the midst of all this chaos and the disease and the suffering and even the death yeah. that we're experiencing, Genesis 1 and 2 speaks to a God that that's not his intention. That's not what was okay. the original creation, as we will yeah. see as we go through yeah, the, the seven-day like, cycle. It's not like you were at day seven and the picture of God is, let's tear it all down. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because that's one way to sort of narrate yeah it's like god is the one bringing order stability mm -hmm. a sense yeah. of predictability even for sure yeah 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 for sure and what what's is you kind of work through the, the seven day cycle like yeah. what you're gonna to see is that this is essentially this beautiful resting place this kind of the language that's often used is like this cosmic temple where okay. the whole creation is god's resting place where he is going to dwell an intimate, uh, the Hebrew phrase, shalom, the, yeah. the wholeness, the peace. It's often translated yeah. in English. Yeah. So wait, I'm a little lost. So you yeah. went from bringing order and then you use temple. Yeah. And I'm thinking, 
Uh, okay, so temple, I'm trying to think of like, what temple do I ever see? Totally, yeah, So maybe yeah. maybe translate a little bit, like where temple is coming temple, from. Yeah. Because that feels like, you mean like a church building? Exactly. Like, no, no, yeah, yeah, it's good. What do you mean? No, no, it's good. So a couple things. Uh, the seven-day creation cycle okay. is the seven-day pattern, I should say, is a very much repeated pattern throughout the Hebrew scriptures. Okay. And so at the building of the tabernacle uh-huh. and at the building of the temple, there's a seven-day cycle or a seven-day preparation process or God speaks seven times or huh. Moses will speak seven times. So there's this there's this overlapping imagery, uh, these connections being taken place here. Okay. And then later on in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel talks about Eden being God's temple. Hmm. Um, so the prophet in the prophet Ezekiel's mind, the, the creation, the original creation was God's dwelling place, God's meeting place where heaven and earth were at before sin intimately connected okay. and overlapping. So is that like, and maybe I'm getting ahead, but yeah. like in Genesis two, like God is walking in Eden. Yeah. Like, is that sort of captured some totally. of that? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a little bit yeah, there in Genesis two, if you're familiar with and the then text. Like, is it the temple, the tabernacle and then new Testament, like dwelling in us? Yeah. Is it sort of, it's all, at least in my head, the way I understand it, yeah. it's all interconnected. So, okay. You have the, the language of God walking in the midst of the garden. That's all temple, presence, intimacy language. Uh-huh. Uh, even later on in Genesis 2, I believe, verse 15 and following, yeah. God commissions Adam to work and keep the yeah. garden. And those same those verbs in Hebrew, work and keep, are the same words, of the, the verbs that describe the priest's role in the tabernacle, in the temple, wow, later on okay. in the Torah. So right. Adam is depicted as, the humans are depicted as these royal priestly wow. temple workers yeah. in God's creation. It's not necessarily at Genesis, the early chapter of Genesis, yeah. in the building per se. Wow. It's all of creation is holy yeah. space, sacred th- space. Is that kind of also riffing with like, what is it, Genesis 127? Like, yeah. Made in my image, to dominion, rule. Yeah. rule, dominion, not as dominate, but domain. Yeah. So now you have a domain uh, where you're sort of ruling in sort of a priestly function. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So the royal priestly images definitely overlap with, okay. with what it means to be made in the image of And is God. that connected then to the order bringing? Yeah, totally. So just as like God brings order, he invites us then to bring order into this chaotic oh, space. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a great point. So when you think of God is depicted as the ruler, the creator yeah. over all. But what's interesting is when God creates humanity, when he creates the humans, yep. he gives them the, the commission to rule. And essentially, the way I read the text, he's inviting them to partner with God in ruling in this temple creation project. So he's inviting them to participate wow. with this vocation, if you will, of bringing beauty and order out of chaos. Okay. And continuing on that work that God is the sole creator for sure. Yeah. But we are invited to, in our world even today, when we see the chaos and the brokenness and the hurt of this world, yeah. to say, you know what? Not only do I know how the story begins, yeah. and this is really getting ahead of ourselves, but we know how the story ends <laughs> sure. as well, right? Okay. And, and where there's pockets of pain and chaos and disorder, I think there's a beautiful invitation as images of God to do our part. Again, this isn't like, you know, utopia, sure. you know, on our own kind of a thing. But because we're connected with God, yeah. to see more of God's peace and more of God's shalom okay. in, the, in the world. So let's go back to, you know, we you have the tohu bohu. You have yeah. this idea of God creating heaven and earth. So why seven days? Like what's yeah, going yeah. on there? Like it feels like there should be like, I mean, I get like order, like 
he's ordering time yeah. by having it in days. Like that kind of makes sense. And there's specific things happening in each day. Yeah. Maybe you could speak a little bit into like, so what's going on with these days and yeah, is yeah. there more there? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And again, this is one of those things depending on, you know, what Bible teacher you listen to or whatever, there's sure. a variety of opinions on how to interpret the seven day cycle. Sure. So, you know, I hold this all with, you know, an open hand Yeah. I'm, could be wrong. I hope I'm not kind of a thing, but one of the things that traditionally often the seven day cycles just read as is kind of like in a straight sequential linear fashion, okay. meaning you have day one, day two, day three, day four, and it's just in sequence. What's interesting though, and we'll have, I'll make sure this is on the, the website or something so you can visually see this, but okay. what I'm looking at right here is a chart that shows the days, not in sequential order, huh. but in sort of parallel order. And what I mean by that, I'll try to explain this for those just listening, is that day one and day four are gonna pair with each other. I'll explain that in a second. Okay. And then day two and day five are gonna pair with each other. Okay. And day three and day six are gonna okay. pair with each other. Now, the first three days is essentially God forming something. Okay. All right. So day one, he's going to form light and darkness. Yep. Uh, day two, he's going to form water and sky. Okay. Day three, he's going to form the land, the sea, and the vegetation. Okay. Now, what he's going to do on this, the second half, the days four, five, and six, the latter three days, is he's going to fill those spaces that he did on the first three days with creation. Hmm. So he's forming on the first pair and filling. and filling on the second. So kind of how the language, if you to maybe help it bring it to memory yeah. is like what God formed on day one, he filled on day four. Okay. Um, so just worth the example, day yeah. one, light and darkness. So God forms light and darkness okay. on day one, and then he's going to fill it with the sun, moon, and stars uh, on day okay. four, right? Uh, day two, what God forms on day two is the water and sky. But then on day five, it's the creatures to populate both the water and sky okay. that get created on day five. And then day three, it's the land and the, the vegetation is okay. formed on day three. And then the humans and the animals get filled or are created to fill that domain from okay. day three. And so kind of all that to say, I think what we have here, you know, you have an author who is very much kind of showing this is a God who is who is very intentional, hmm. who cares deeply about his creation mm -hmm. and is wanting to to bring a sense of beauty and order into this. There's intentionality okay. yeah, that yeah. we meant here. Yeah, there's a certain symmetry there. Yeah. So then what about day seven? Yeah. Right, so day, day seven doesn't have a pair. Yeah, there's no pair. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So when you get to day seven, you read in Genesis 2, 2, God had completed his work that he had done and he rested. Okay. And so what you have here is this picture of the creator God after forming and filling the first six days, yeah. he rests. Now, it doesn't mean like, God was tired or yeah. needed a break sure, sure. sort of a thing. The language here of resting, especially when you compare it to like after Solomon builds the temple, there's this, there's this celebration, there's mm. this rest mm -hmm. that's, that's given after Solomon builds the temple in the yeah. book of Kings. There's the same idea. Here is a, 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 a king, God, yeah. God, the king creator who is enjoying his mm. creation, who is resting in delight with yeah. his creation and, and all is well. Yeah. Yeah. I seem to recall idea. like as you go through the days, right? Each day is Tove. It's good. Yeah, totally. And you get to day seven. It's like Tove mode. Yeah. It's very it's good. Very good. Yeah. So sometimes it's, it's like God looks at the expanse of all he's made and he's like, 
I like it. Totally. Yeah. 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 Totally. I really yeah. like this. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's really important to, to see, and thank you for bringing it up, this, the repetition of the word good yeah. is just all throughout yeah. this, this creation cycle. Yeah. Which and contrasts with like the chaos, the, the, what was the W's? The, the tohu, vavohu, wild and waste. Wild and waste, right? Yeah. So you have wild and waste contrasted then with the God, order bringing God yeah. into the chaos, bringing good things. Yeah, totally. And even really good yeah, things. Totally. Yeah. And this is, again, it just keeps highlighting this theme of this is God's heart. Yeah. This is God's intent. Yeah. Is for beauty and order and goodness. Yeah. Uh, and, and, we, we're living right now in the middle of just utter chaos. Yeah. And I think you and I, we've talked about that. And many of you probably listening to that feel like this isn't a good world or yeah. it feels a little bit chaotic. Mm-hmm. But when I read the Genesis 1 passage, this reminds me, it anchors me. You know what? The world that God intends and the world that we're moving towards in the yeah. new creation, this is all going to connect, yeah. is a world where there is none of this chaos, this yeah. suffering, the tears, the, the yeah. pain, the disease, the death. Um, but God's intent for creation is is goodness. Okay. This is the God that we get to to rest in yeah. as as we are invited to, to be a part of his, his creation. Yeah. So. And then as you get sort of, I don't know if you want to sort of dive into Genesis 2 and yeah, that totally. sort of narrative, that yeah. creation narrative. So like how, do, how does that relate? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and again, so a very, if you, I would encourage you if you're listening to this, pay very close attention to Genesis 1 and 2. You'll notice, I mean, it's no one's trying to hide anything. Uh, there's some differences there. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but I think this is, again, one of those things where if we get tripped up on those and we're begin to start asking, I think, questions that maybe aren't the original intent sure. of the author. So yeah. all that aside. Yeah. Clearly, they are not trying to write two identical accounts. Totally, yeah. That's the very reason there are two different accounts. Totally, exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's not like they were confused, like, oh, shoot. Yeah, what happened? Yeah. Oh, no, like we have a, you know, <laughs> that was a publishing a, error yeah. or something, totally, right? Like, you know, and... And just as a, as a side note, like even as you read the creation accounts in Genesis 1 and then also in Genesis 2, I mean, you go through the book of Psalms, there's other quote unquote creation accounts that speak to, you know, God in the beginning laying the, the earth on the pillars mm. over the foundations of the waters. Yeah, I think so of that at the end of Job. At the end of Job, right? right the like, chaos so, of Job oh, totally. and his friends. And then you get into Job and the whirlwind discourse. Exactly. Like, were you there? And you sort of this picture of God. Uh, bringing order, totally. creation. Yeah, to those totally. Yeah. yeah. Book of Proverbs talk about lady wisdom being a part of creation. Mm. So there's all these different ways that the Hebrew mind was thinking about uh, the creation story. But all that, all that to say, when you zoom in and focus on Genesis two, it really highlights one of the things it highlights yeah. is humanity's role and humanity's mm. calling within this larger project of God bringing order and beauty out of out of the chaos. So, uh, kind of just looking at some of this stuff, you have. You know, the Garden of Eden develops this this theme of this royal paradise garden okay. that humanity is invited to live in, hmm. to enjoy, uh, to work, and to keep is the, the language used there yeah. in Genesis 2. We've talked about that, yeah. which just as a, another note, it's important to realize that this is before sin, right? So work is okay. not something, at least the way I understand it, yeah. not something as a result of sin. Yeah. But the participation with God in his work yeah. is has always been and always will be yeah. a part of what it means to to be human and to be a part yeah, of... Yeah, paradise is not sort of drinking a virgin strawberry totally. daiquiri yeah. on a beach in Mexico. Yeah, totally. Right? Like oh, it's, yeah. No, no, no. Like there's there's more going on. Yeah. They're actually 
they're working, they're keeping, they're they're doing something totally. yeah, with yeah. God in that space. Totally. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a very uh, I think it's an unfortunate misconception to think that Adam and Eve were just laying around doing nothing. Yeah. I think it, they were invited to participate in God's in God's ongoing ongoing project. And yeah. in this space, though, it's also again we've talked about this a little bit. This overlap of of heaven and earth, the the divine and human space, hmm. are intimately connected. Okay. And obviously, if you're familiar with the biblical story, that gets torn apart yeah. in the in the following we'll get chapter. There. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah for sure. But one of the things that really speaks to this is this this notion, this topic, this idea of the tree of life. Okay. So and, why why is the tree of life? So yeah, important? totally. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. So this the tree of life. It's it's kind of interesting because it's not as if whoever was the author of Genesis was like, oh, tree of life. That's an original idea yeah, yeah. for me. Yeah, like, uh, oh, I nailed it. Totally, They're like yeah. sitting there. <gasps> yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. one way to kind of think about this is that with so much of the early chapters of Genesis, there is sort of an ancient kind of like Twitter conversation about all these different topics. So like the tree of life, what does that mean for the Babylonians? What does that mean for the Assyrians? So they all had a way of understanding like creation and tree of life. Tree of life. And then even if we get, you know, down to the flood, all these different components that we see in in Genesis, there's all these different competing visions and stories, Mm. if you will. Okay. And into that cultural moment. Yeah. The, the Jewish mind, the, the scriptures that we believe to be God's word speaks of this tree of life as being this, this really this emblem. Hmm. Um, I don't know if symbol is, there's some negative connotations with symbol there, but this sure. idea of the divine gift of eternal life hmm. and being in a place where there's no, the, the suffering, the yeah. pain, the, the death yeah like it's it's not it's not there okay um and i think there's this beautiful beautiful idea of this deep intimacy hmm. and this deep connection that's being spoken of here with the tree of life and all the the garden imagery yeah, yeah. for sure yeah uh that's really important to, to kind of hone in okay. on a little bit there so there's like in one you have the chaos and the order bringing it seems like in creation story two or genesis two yeah. like you sort of start with order. Totally. Yeah. So as God sort of creates order, yeah. creates this connection space between him and Adam and then Eve, yeah. there's a sense of unity, right? I think naked and unashamed. Unashamed, They're totally. They're yeah. together. Totally. Yeah. And it's interesting when you look at the Genesis 2 narrative, you're right. It does start with the sense of there is order here. Yeah. Um, but what's missing is there's there's no human partners. Mm. And so that's where the creation of the humans kind Got of it. fills that sort of gap where God, you know, God would do a much better job of ruling the world than you and I ever would yeah. for sure. Yeah, but thankfully. God has yeah. always, for whatever reason, in his, you know, sovereignty and, and in yeah. his, you know, in his goodness yep. has invited his human partners to be a part of mm. this project of bringing order and beauty yeah. and goodness into the world. And so that's where the, the Genesis 2 narrative speaks to. That makes sense. Here's man's and, and women's vocation and calling is to be a part of what God was already doing in Genesis yeah. 1. And is furthering that in yeah. the, so the, the order bringing in the chaos, the beauty bringing in the destruction. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my question then is like, we'll get to Genesis three, I think next week. Totally. Yeah. My question is, so what do we do with this? Yeah. Right. Like we're talking about a world context, a local context, yeah. a national, regional, whatever context yeah, where it's, it's like, over. it's chaotic. Yeah. So how do I like hold on to this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does this mean for me when I wake up in the morning and my life feels out of sorts. Yeah, totally. Well, I think a couple of things. I think first off, 
this is an invitation to remember who our God is. Okay. And I think oftentimes, I mean, we even kind of titled this sort of series here, Jesus, where are you? Yeah. And in the midst of the chaos, it's easy to forget that who God, God is. Who God is right? mm. And we fall into, for good and bad reasons, and you know, a bunch of different reasons, yeah. we get kind of a distorted view of okay. who God is. So tell me, like, what's the distortion? God doesn't care? Yeah, either God's God. absent, God doesn't care, there's nothing God can do about this, okay. uh, that this is just you know, random chance, yeah. whatever. You can go down all the different, yeah. different so paths. So what we see from Genesis is that God is powerful. Yeah. So he's not helpless. Yeah. Uh, God is engaged and active. Yeah. So God isn't just sort of like, hey, let's totally. see what happens. Like he's engaged and active. Uh, his desire is to bring order and beauty. Yeah. And he wants our partnership in totally. that. Totally, yeah. And that's the second thing. So you have the first part of like, who is I mean, God? Who is God? Getting, and not losing track of that. Not losing track of as that. As we're sort of, you know, reading our social media, we're reading yeah. Apple News articles. Like, it's easy to get lose track of God. Totally. And, and, and it's an this. accurate picture of who God okay, is. Okay, an accurate an picture. An accurate picture of who yep. God is. Because everyone has an idea about who God is. Yeah. Right? Whether you're an atheist, Christian, whatever. Everyone has yeah. an idea about sure. who God is. But we want to be anchored in the scripture. So yeah. that's the first thing. Yeah. And Genesis 1 speaks and 2 speak to that. A God of order, a God of beauty, a God who desires to bring order a sense of, totally. I don't know, something that I can lean on, something that I can depend on in the midst of the chaos. Yeah, exactly. Right, so that's God. And then the second part, I think, is our role okay. in that. And obviously, we live in a post-Genesis 3 world, and we're experiencing you know a lot of the effects of yeah. that with the anxiety and the death and the suffering, all of that that's happening. And that's next week. And that's next week. We'll get to okay. that. But also understanding in Genesis 2, we have already been invited. We have been invited. Okay to partner with God in God's project of order and beauty and, and goodness. And okay. so when I think of like very specifically, I'm sure you listening to this and, and all of us yeah. here know people whose lives are just in utter chaos yeah. right now. And I think very practically the invitation is like, what does it look like in the midst of the chaos to yeah. not only reflect on who God is, but say, you know, how might I be able to be a small part yeah. in bringing some goodness and beauty and order into yeah. a world that's, it feels like it's falling apart yep. right now. Uh, what does it look like to be a people of, of peace and of the, the, the language that we've talked about before of a non-anxious presence, non -anxious presence that's not yeah. just reacting and reactive to everything that's yeah. happening, but is rooted in the goodness of God. Totally. And from that place of being rooted in the goodness of God, being able to demonstrate and pass that goodness on to those that we have contact yeah. with. So if I feel stressed and anxious, I've experienced the chaos. Yeah. What you're telling me is, hey, God is a God of order. God yeah. wants to bring a sense of, I don't know, solidity, a sense totally. of like reliance, a sense of dependability in the midst of that. He wants to be that for us. And two, as much as I am capable, yeah. as I'm juggling totally. the craziness yeah, of yeah. life, like if I can maybe even take a step to like pray for someone that I know is mm -hmm. experiencing more chaos than me, yeah. just start praying for them yeah. or reach out. Make totally. a phone call, uh, do a little Skype message, whatever. Yeah. Reach out and say, hey, I'm here for you. Totally. Pray for people, sort of, I don't know, embody yeah. the order bringing God, the beauty of God in small ways in daily life. Totally, yeah. And it's going to be, you know, in small ways. And I think that's, it's you know, the, the way the kingdom works, right? Yeah. It doesn't come all big flashy, but, you know, the language of a mustard seed. And I think yeah. of Jesus' teachings there. And so I think we're invited in these small daily ways of reflecting the goodness of God, the peace of God, the shalom of God. In a variety of different ways. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So 
after this, we're going to sort of gather up as a group yeah. on Zoom, uh, invite everyone to just bring their questions, totally. their thoughts, maybe how you maybe see God, your yeah. view of God is getting funky, what God's invitation to you is, yeah. like in this sense to see him correctly. And then maybe if there's an invitation for you to follow in God's yeah, lead. Totally. Uh, so we look forward to chatting with everyone and talk to you guys soon. Yeah. All righty. Sounds see good.